question every digital artist asks themselves should i make physical work today we're going to go in depth on this question to see if we can bring some light to the matter artist journal march 29th 2023 broadcasting live from berlin and new york city on rug radio via twitter spaces my name is Adrian Pocabelli, and we welcome back co-host, artist, and conversationalist to the show, Rune Dune. Rune, how is your week going? It's going great. I'm kind of back into the swing of things. I feel like uh, I had a couple crazy weeks, and now we're back into the routine. How is your week going, Pocabelli? I have to say, it's been quite amazing. This chat GPT-4. Like I listened to one too many interviews about this whole chat GPT thing. And then, so of course I, there's chat GPT plus. Okay. And then you can spend $20 and I subscribe today. I mean, I'm going, as you know, uh, to Italy, as I think, you know, I'm going to Italy next week. So I was just putting into the thing, you know, the, the one that's available that everybody has used is chat GPT, I think 3.5. And so I was like, create an agenda for, you know, a week in Tuscany, and it pr provides you a very nice thing. And then the new version, which you have to pay for, it's in the ChatGPT Plus, that, you know, it's even more, it's like bullet points. It's all like, I mean, it's like, it's like an incredible personal assistant, among many other things. So I've been kind of wrapped up in that. And also, I've been uploading, as you know, I was just messaging you on this. I've just uploaded all the Twitter spaces that we've done here on Spotify. They're not beautifully edited, but they are done well enough and they're there. And now the new ones, as they come in, I have learned to edit them. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm up to over here. Yeah, I saw that. I'm really excited to peruse these, especially the ones that came before our regular Twitter spaces. There's quite a few up. Well, yeah. So it's kind of funny when i first started the show like the regular twitter spaces i started say in mid-december i think or late december and then i think you were on within like two episodes it was just natural chemistry <laughs> there uh rune tune and what i was doing before was when i had started actually the youtube show you can actually upload video to spotify but it it, it just didn't seem worth it and it was taking a lot of time and there's hardly any viewers on spotify so i thought Meh, I'll, I'll leave the Spotify. So that's what you might see there. And uh, and then we Im imported it. And so you can't even see the video there anymore. So I probably need to clean up, actually. Uh, there are some ancient shows on there. But anyways, yeah, I'm excited for the Spotify. Me as well. So for this ChatGPT, the the plus version, is it a one-time payment or is it, is it a uh, subscription? It's a subscription. So it's not nothing, you know, at $20 uh, a month right i mean that's a pretty dedicated subscription so i'm you know i'm gonna do it for a month it works faster you know like right now i was trying to get stuff this morning as i'm using it more and more as i think everybody else is starting to use it more and more 
uh, and it was getting busy. And part of the deal with ChatGPT Plus is you get a much faster uh, speed with this. So it's pretty cool. It seems, you know, when you consider, like, I can take, you know, we can take transcripts from this show and we can take, you know, if we're talking about, I don't know, uh, screen printing and pixel art, for example, we can take those paragraphs and we can feed them into ChatGPT, these very rough paragraphs, and say, make an article out of this. And it'll give us a beautiful rough draft for the most part. And then as long as you don't get lazy and you edit it from there and then add a bit of your own personality into it, uh, you have an article. And I mean, that would have taken you six hours. Maybe you'd go back the next day and you're doing it in like half an hour. It's crazy. So, yeah. So that that is wild. Um, so you said you used it for your trip. What was it that you asked it to do that it gave you like bullet point? Yeah. ideas. Right. So ChatGPT4 gave me bullet points. So here's just kind of an interesting development. And then we'll get to our topic. I see the, the room is filling up here with some wonderful, familiar PFPs here. Um, but basically, what I the, almost the exact query is create an agenda for going to Tuscany for seven days, staying in an Airbnb in Livorno. And then it's like, okay, day one, hang out in Livorno. Day two, go to Florence. Day three, go to Pisa and see X, Y, Z. See this monument, this monument, this monument. Then you should go for lunch at this place. So it's like better than a personal assistant. You know, that's, I've never thought about doing that. I'm probably going to play around with that. As someone who likes to travel, I mean, I came to New York for a reason. It's kind of like the entry into the rest of the world. My favorite thing to do is use Google Maps. I actually, I don't even know what I used to do before Google Maps, but to like, prior to going anywhere, you know, kind of suss everything out, save all the locations in a list and as, you know, kind of bookmarked on the Google Maps. Imagine if ChatGPT had access to an app like Google Maps and you could be like, mark all the places you think it would be worthwhile going to. And then in seconds, it just does all the legwork for you. That'd be amazing. I think that's what it might do. Like my sense, and you're already hearing like newspapers are wanting to sue ChatGPT because uh, there is a, there's a sense that they did a massive scraping of the internet. So I'm assuming that's probably anything that was available, you know, including every single review that was on Google. And yeah, like you say, it's probably just a matter of time before you can plug in Google Maps into this AI. So yeah, it's pretty unbelievable for traveling. And I didn't come up with that idea myself. I was listening to an interview and I was like, oh, so it's well worthwhile. I'll just say before we get into our topic here, it is really worthwhile to keep tabs on this. This is a, it's wild. And you think, okay, 20 bucks a month is a lot of money actually for a subscription of some digital product but when you consider like what would a personal assistant cost you you know and is it able where i can start pumping out arctic five articles a day you know is, is that worth 20 bucks a month yeah, i think so right so the plot thickens over here i see mikey de la creme i see blue retina i see mikkel nicola i see joe dr version is back on stage so request to join the conversation anybody i see mental 420 i see ollie is a koski retro manny Blue Seven, Sid, welcome everyone to the show. And it's so good to see Michael here, who 
Michael, Michael, who was one of the first two people to ever encourage, speaking of Spotify, this entire project when it was a fledgling idea that was just out there in the ether and sent out a tweet saying, this is awesome. So that was great. So anyways, Runetune, maybe we can get the conversation started. And again, anybody, if you want to request to speak, we will bring you on stage. I might send out some invites for you to join us on stage uh, just a, as a little prank here from my apartment in Berlin here. But Runetune, tell me your story. I mean, as far as I understand, you started in physical art and of course you've done digital art. Tell me, how has that you know, progressed for you in, in your history? Yeah, I mean, I was born in the 80s, so I was definitely working with physical mediums. I mean, when Microsoft Paint came out, I was, you know, a curious kid, definitely played around with that. But I never took those digital tools very seriously. You know, I guess it's just something you kind of are programmed to think going to school and learning art history, everything's these physical mediums. So yeah, I've just been, I've been a physical artist for a lot longer than I have been a digital artist. And my transition into the digital arts was, well, basically taking photographs of physical work and minting them and running into just different personalities on Twitter and learning more about this, you know, NFT community. It became clear that like, you know, for a lot of people, it's important. Actually, I think it was your show that kind of like sold me finally on this idea that if I'm going to continue, you know, minting, I got to make an effort to have some sort of quality about the work that is like digitally native in some way or other. So a lot of what I've done up until this last year has just been taking these physical works, taking a photograph of them and manipulating the photo to make it digital, either by like animating it, turning it into a GIF or, you know, something else. And I am at a point now where I've done enough GIFs and animations that I would love to see them hanging on a wall. And so that's kind of my, you know, outlook in terms of taking the work I've done that's digital and making it physical. I think it was in your show, you had Neurocolor had created, what is it called? Impossible Objects. Is that right? It's possible. It's possible. Tim, let, let me look this up. Sure. Impossible objects. Anyways, they do these. Yeah, it is. It's impossible objects. I'll look this uh, up too. They do these little screens that are, you know, they're made for housing digital art. They do these little screens that are like, you know, it's a fixed screen and they give you all the information that you might need for, you know, the type of resolution that you should be looking at. But when Neurocolor posted a, a video of one that he made, it just looked fantastic. I mean, it was perfect. They have options for like different colored frames, but the clear one is pretty fantastic. And they're not meant to be like those skylights where you can like import different photos or different artworks and have it kind of on loop. There are those things, but these, these are just meant to house the singular piece of artwork that you load to it. What's funny is I've started working with like a pixel dimension for my works that will work with these. Oh, it's infinite objects. Sorry, not impossible objects, infinite objects. Okay. Yeah, I, that's what it is. I have his work in front of me. They live up to their name and, uh, you know, with these colors. So I was kind of confused by what you were saying, though. So 
Oh, no, I was just saying uh, NeuroColor is a good example of someone who does these these digital works that couldn't be, I mean, you could print a still from the, the work, but it's animated and it's right. very colorful. And there's no way to bring a GIF to a physical medium unless that physical medium is a digital screen. And I guess what excited me about it was that it was nice and small. Anyone could fit it in their home anywhere. And it's not so much about this process of like taking digital and bringing it to a physical world, but more so taking these things and seeing them not on a computer screen. I think that's kind of like, for me, a criteria by which I want to like view some of this artwork that I enjoy daily. I don't want it to be stuck on my phone or stuck on a computer. I want to see it like on a wall somewhere. And I want to see it treated the way we treat paintings and drawings and prints. But to see like an animation moving would be like really exciting for me. I think it'd be like a new way of viewing art because it's one thing to just take like a still from maybe a GIF or take an actual, you know, digital artwork that you did on say Procreate or Ace Bride or something and do a screen print. I mean, I think that'd be amazing. But to see uh, animations hung up on the wall as if they were paintings, I think that would be a, a new way to view art within a, a space. I think it'd be really cool. And and help me out. So did he achieve that? Or did they? Oh, yeah, they they here, let me see if I can find NeuroColors. It's, it's probably an old post, but Infinite Objects is essentially this company that allows you to take they were made for the NFT community, essentially. And oh, uh, it's like, a, it's, it's like a frame. It's a digital frame. It's a digital frame. Okay, exactly. gotcha. So you can show uh, a GIF, for example. Yeah, and I'm Got sure it. that they have like a Twitter and all of that. Actually, I'll... so it's an interesting, yeah. Like, I mean, I've thought about the gift. So, in a sense, basically, I mean, the digital frame, though. And I remember what you're talking about. It is a screen, though. In all, you know, when it's all said and done, from my impression, you know, my solution for gifts. I kind of had a weird one because I've done a few gifts, and I thought, how would I make this physical? And it's actually quite fun. And it's that transition from digital to physical where all sorts of magic can happen so for example i was thinking of this lego work that i had done that was animated and it was made of about 25 frames and i thought oh i could theoretically screen print each one of those frames uh you know across horizontally across the walls of the gallery let's say on different little works on paper and then maybe in the middle, you have a screen with the actual GIF, and then you'd sell each of those 25 as kind of each unique works, kind of like an addition, but each is different. So yeah, in that transition from digital to physical, I mean, it's, uh, it gives you different, uh, different sets of problems to solve. And in that, it brings out kind of a different manifestation of the work, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. I like the way that you put that it gives you different problems to solve. That's very true. And yeah. And so different opportunities and everything. I mean, another thing, the, the screen memory series that I do where I'll put like these colors, really kind of hard edged colors on top of Renaissance paintings, let's say that are kind of a lot of browns and everything. And welcome Dr. Version to the stage. That was also another, because like, before blockchain and, you know, to your earlier point about physical and digital, like, it was kind of digital was taken seriously, but I won't I wouldn't say it was taken as seriously as it is today. Like now millions of dollars have been spent on digital artwork 
it kind of was before, but you still had this problem. Like I remember going to a artist talk in Berlin in maybe 2018 or 2017, and they were talking about how, you know, we're going to put the video on the USB and then we're going to sell the USB and how that was actually how it's kind of how it's done, I think, still in some respects, because you can't put like a four gigabyte file, as far as I understand, on the blockchain. So they still actually kind of do this. So anyway, Dr. Version, welcome to the stage. And I'm going to send out some invites to everybody too. Uh, but anybody request to speak, Dr. Version, how have you navigated going from digital to physical? Like, do you share this sense that I had that in a sense, it wasn't really taken too seriously, really up until recently? I mean, I remember having a phone and, you know, I was making making a lot of work on a phone. And I remember showing it to this contemporary art, older sort of contemporary art person. And she basically was like, it was right out of a movie. You know, that's a toy, is what she said, you know. And I thought, wow, it's almost ominous in a good way. Anyway, what do you have to say, Mr. Virgin, Dr. Virgin? Yeah, you know, I have I was thinking when you're talking about printing up each frame of a GIF, I've thought about that with my stuff. But, you know, I knew video art existed. I knew all this stuff was around. I mean, I, I was born in the 70s. I definitely, even as a kid, had a camcorder and messed around and made skate videos with my friends and, you know, messed around with the filter. So I was always into that. And then, but then I went to school and um, was going to be an architect, but that soon transitioned, thank God, into doing fine art and painting, even though I have strong opinions on art school and what they teach. But, you know, I made a lot of work. And... So I've made paintings, silk screening, I've done t-shirts, I've done tons of stuff, and I, I have a collection of this. And I know, Adrian, I've told you before, I recently moved and having, let's say, 40 to 50 canvases, boxes of silk screens, t-shirts, you know, drawings, posters, like all this stuff. It's like, I'm looking at that while I'm packing up in New York City trying to figure out what I should keep, what should I, and I did destroy a bunch of paintings because I was like, I can't take all of this. It's not going to fit in the giant box, the biggest box truck we got. And it's expensive. So then I look at my collection on object. I'm like, well, I wish everything was here. Like just out of practical matter, as much as I love physical, you know, paintings and the craft and, you know, the size and the scale and everything, you know, it's just, it's just an easier path and you can get your ideas out there and it can, you can keep the momentum going. I think it's, it's really like sluggish now. And, you know, living in New York, trying to find a studio space. I always, in every apartment I had, had a corner of the room that got a little messy that, you know, I did paintings Man, for 20 some this. years living in New York. <laughs> and what I did, you know, I probably made, you know, a couple paintings a year. I've done more work in the last, year and a half and exposed it to an audience and people have collected it. And I think, you know, that's, that's key to me. Like, it's just, I, I, the other way now I would be like, I don't even know how I would go. Well, to your point, I mean, I think you, you've highlighted so many of the issues that come with physical art. And I mean, it's, it gets harder and harder to justify. I mean, it really feels like it's a luxury. You know, it's a matter of, well, do you have the money? Do you have the space? Because it's all going to cost you money. And it's like, where are you going to do it? Where are you going to store it? I had the exact same problem when I moved from Toronto to Berlin. 
you know, paintings that I literally worked like, you know, I was doing a painting a year. I think they're at my friend's place, you know, like I don't know where my techniques turntables are, you know, like physical, it's a real luxury and it's harder and harder to justify. And I can go, okay, this afternoon, let's say I have a couple of hours to spend on art. Okay, let's say I'm going to do, am I going to do physical and then kind of, you know, spend my afternoon with that? Or am I going to go digital and maybe sell something tomorrow? And then maybe bring in a you know fifty bucks or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? So it, it really is. I mean, luxury is the the word that's sort of on my mind when I hear that. I've used this sort of argument, the the whole like oh the physical process takes up a lot of space to kind of sell people the skeptics that I know who uh, you know they're skeptical of NFTs and digital art. It's it's a good point to bring up. Dr. Version, speaking of these infinite object screens, your work would look fantastic on these. I don't know if you can see that. Uh, I, I posted it to our spaces, but this Neurocolor infinite objects digital screen is just, it's like made for your type of work. Thanks so much. I have seen those infinite object screens and they, they are pretty great. And that is like, how do you display this stuff? Because I think last week I was talking about how it's... You know, I look at these as moving paintings, at least my work, and a, a lot of stuff I see. And then it's it comes into the scale, like how does it look on a screen? And but yeah, I'd love to have one of those. And I still haven't figured out a way to display my object or my Tezos collection at home. I I have a, a space above in the stereo, like above the stereo, above the turntable, and I just want a screen. So if anyone has any any thoughts on how to cycle through gifts like hey a gif is up for 10 minutes and then it goes to the next one and i can look at the you know my whole collection mainly i collect motion even though you know i like i like it all but i think an advantage of video too is that you or or digital art it can be motion especially with gifts are just, all of your works um, uh your digital works are they all the same dimensions no they're all, they're all over the place that's another thing that you know how do you do this unless you project them maybe but it's yeah they're not yeah. and it's something to keep in consideration because i it's kind of weird when you see something that doesn't fit the frame and we're just so used to it and i don't know how that's ever going to be addressed well, maybe <laughs> in the future there will be some manufacturing miracle that happens that allows people to choose the exact screen size down to the pixel <laughs> before they yeah you know have one of these things manufactured. Yeah, just one other thing about like, you know, digital and scale. And I don't know if anyone went to the refraction refraction show last year at NFT NYC. It was in Gowanus. And great. They've done such a good job at like presentation. But you walk in and in the back, there's a giant Nicholas Sasson, like 60 feet projection. And imagine trying to put something like that that's physical like <laughs> it just it had it was done so well where you know and then that's how do you you don't you put that on a thumb drive brain to or if it's on the blockchain it doesn't you know so yeah these are all things i'm thinking about with all my collection and everything how do you display them do you get a projector because yeah i just don't want to look at it on my phone or a, you know laptop or computer it's um, way too practical this digital thing, isn't it? And like moving and everything, like, and even working within, 
you know, you can have undo, you can have layers that you can turn on and off, you can do variations, you can kind of reuse stuff. Again, it's just so hard to justify on a practical level. Now, on an artistic level, like on a conceptual level, it does feel like it's still important and it's actually kind of feels like a very rich area to explore. Like Runtoon was saying how he uses his physical work, if I understood correctly, as sources for his digital, right? And I think that's, you know, a very rich area. And it's kind of funny, like where I've gotten to with the physical is I would take my palette. I mean, this, these were the last things I was doing physically, say like six months ago, is I'd take my, you know, these paper palettes and I'd put a bunch of paint on them and, you know, brush them around and then take a picture of that so that I could put it into my digital work, you know, these kind of splashy paint marks. But I mean, that's how far it's gone for me, where it's sort of like, I have canvases that have been sitting next to my wall for months. Uh, but so that is the extent of what I'm actually using and being able to justify because I can, you know, it takes me five, 10 minutes and I walk out with 20 pictures of paint that's sort of smushed around that I can import, you know. So it's an interesting area conceptually, I think, because in a sense, these are siloed universes, I would argue. When we work digitally, we tend to mostly stay in a digital universe. And when we work physically, we tend to mostly work in a physical domain. Like we're not necessarily printing things off in Photoshop and stenciling them and then bringing them into our painting. But it seems that like, if you asked me what was like the last big conversation in my world, uh, from my opinion of in contemporary art, it is this combining uh, mediums in the late Warhol, where he'd sort of, you know, take a graphite pencil, take a picture, you know, do an outline of Goethe or whatever, you know, take a picture of that, blow it up, and then screen print that, you know, with paint, uh, with acrylic paint. I mean, and so he's, you know, playing with scale, and as I always say, traveling through the mediums. And so conceptually, I feel like it's still a very rich area and will provide, you know, opportunities and just, you know, uh, things that'll never happen if you just work exclusively digitally or physically. Dr. Version, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that just uh, reminded me, I went to Art Basel this year, first time, which was a lot of fun. I didn't, you know, went to the main event, which was whatever I've been to a bunch of art fairs. But there was a piece I saw, which it was in a dark room in this warehouse district way out in Miami somewhere. And it was a painting that moved. Like you lo you look at it, you're like, that's a physical work. And at first, I was like, what, what is going on? Is this some new infinite object screen? Is this like a lighted canvas or this? It was, a, it was pretty magical. But then I realized there was a projector projected onto the painting. So it's a painting that was lit by the same image that moved. It was pretty incredible. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen anything like that. I've heard of things like this before, but this was pretty well executed. If I find, I have a video of it, I think I'll, I'll post it uh, if anyone's interested. Um, I didn't particularly like the art, but the technique was, yeah, it, it was like, this is somewhere somewhere that needs to be explored more or something. I would yeah. love to see a video of that. You definitely have to tweet that if you can. Okay.
Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, awesome. And I'm finally seeing All these right. infinite objects in Runetune's link here. I recommend everybody check out. I mean, it's quite stunning. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Maybe Beeple's work way back when. It's like almost in this hyper-protective, what looks like mylar or glass or clear plastic and with what looks like a tablet inside. We're still stuck with that ratio problem. But yeah, as you guys were mentioning earlier, Runtun, do you have any thoughts on the, like you work with physical and bring it into digital. Do you have any just thoughts and are you still doing that? And it, it seems like it's the last few works I've seen from you, but any additional thoughts on this? Yeah, recent, I've been working a lot more digitally and like just starting something in Procreate or Photoshop and using those tools. The last thing that open that open edition I minted, uh, the reference was from a, a painting, but I mean, you know, it's like one frame out of 60 is a reference to this physical work. And then the rest was completely digitally done. You know, something I was thinking about, you're very, it's very true what you say when, you know, if you work exclusively digital or if you, not even exclusively, if you work physically, you tend to be kind of sucked into working only physically, or if you work digitally, it is kind of hard to, you know, have that sort of be almost like bilingual in a, in a way <laughs> with your digital or physical process. I know that over the years, like just being, you know, trying to grow myself in this digital community, I have been working almost exclusively digitally. Actually, a couple of weeks ago when my friend was here, that was the first time in probably a year that I've done any physical work outside of just some simple sketches. How did it feel? Oh, it, honestly, it felt great. Like I, if I had more time in my life, I'd love to be able to, you know, be as equally prolific in both digital and physical work. But something that's been on my mind is like, you know, prior to NFTs, I, I actually, I mean, I was making quite a few sales, you know, for just being an unknown artist, you know, uh, I would make, you know, 10 plus sales a year. And a lot of those same people that I sold to over the last couple of years, some of them, have, they've hit me up. They're like, oh yeah, I have a, a new space. I, I'd love to commission you for something. And it's just like, this, this conversation is kind of, it's, it's a good one to keep me thinking about that because it would be nice to take digital work and make it physical in a way that made sense for people who maybe don't have any interest in digital work whatsoever. Well, um, I, I think it, it's like, and I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth re-mentioning it, it really does, I think, just from a purely, you know, PR point of view, if I see an artist that is doing digital and physical, I, I kind of just from a very basic level, maybe take them a little bit more seriously. And maybe that's totally an unfair bias. And I just call it a bias, you know, but I think a lot of people might have that bias. Like it kind of shows range, right? It shows like, oh, because there is a sense and, you know, fair or not, that maybe a lot of people just started doing digital, uh, you know, and that, you know, that maybe they're newcomers, maybe they saw a way to make some money, you know, and I think that's actually an unfair and, you know, uh, assumption, but I think it's worth recognizing that that kind of way of thinking about this exists, right? So, I, and I'm not saying we should all just do, hey, let's, you know, be the best, P, you know, find the best PR we possibly can and, and pursue that. But I think it's sort of as we're trying to make our way, trying to live from our art and already working, let's say, or, or not in some cases in physically, I think it's worth it. I think, again, I think it's, 
it like I just kind of you know and fairly or unfairly I, I tend to take that a little bit more seriously on just a basic level. It's funny you say that because I feel like my bias works in the opposite direction. When I find out someone doesn't do any physical work and that they've only ever worked with digital tools, it makes me feel like a dinosaur because I'm so attached to the physical mediums that I grew up with. That's hilarious. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, Retro Manny, I'm so glad that you're, you've joined us on stage. Welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? Hi, Adrian. Thanks for inviting me up. Um, I'm calling from the UK. England. So yeah, it's um, around about three o'clock awesome. here. Awesome. Yeah, it's four o'clock here. So we're about an hour off here in Berlin. It's great to see you. So tell us about your work a little bit. Did you start physically and then move digitally? Uh, what's your story? I think, you know, I guess I'm a digital native to some degree. Um, I, you know, back in the early 2000s, I was studying film. And really, when we were making films at university, it was all about creating them for the screen for projection or to be seen at least with a physical audience like with you know next to different people in a particular room uh, and what i really find interesting about this whole conversation is it really reminds me of where we are now you know like you watch films on your phone nowadays or various different devices just in your own space and i just finished a uh, just finished directing a project which was you know it was, it was a big project a huge amount of funding and we were just finishing up on the color grade and we have to we have to do a color grade for uh, a cinema experience so i won't bore you with the kind of technicals but there's particular color spaces that you've got to use that make sure that it's seen correctly in a dark room basically for the cinema but the moment you send that to people for checking and if they haven't got the right calibration of screen or they're just looking at it on their phone it looks horrendous it doesn't look right because it's you know it's a different it's a different way of experiencing the film so it needs you know different lighting and all this kind of stuff um so for me that's kind of the same in terms of it being physical as in being seen in a particular place with people next to you and everyone having to have that same experience or it being digital where everybody can experience it in their own sort of space. Um, so you've got to do different versions. When you make a film, you've got to do a, a, a basically a version for the phone. You've got to do a version for TV screens, and then you've got to do a version for the cinema. So yeah, that's that's kind of the, the history of what, I've, what, I, what I do. It's a little bit different with my NFTs, but that's, um, that's a bit interesting. It's right? a very subtle point you bring up because I assume you're working digitally, right? But it's almost like you're having to create these outcomes for different hardware that is going to show your digital, right? Like, because the iPhone is going to render your, you know, color grade, I think you called it in a certain way. And then, you know, a cinema is going to have its own thing. Like, it, it's kind of like you're right in between there because you're kind of dealing with the physicality of these screens and how they render, you know, and all that sRGB and all that sort of thing, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, I mean, the whole point of it, uh, why I bring it up is because even though it's still digital, like what I create is digital, um, digital cameras and everything, it's got to be, and it's, and it's projection on screen, it's got to be a different experience because for some it's experienced together with a bunch of other people in a space that they're all seeing at the same time. And so that's, and it's in a dark room. So it's like, you know, how you have an art gallery, it's in a, you know, the white cube, whatever you want to call it, it's got to be experienced in that way. And so you've, it's got to be lit correctly or it's got to be painted so that it looks a particular sort of way. Um, and it's the same with cinema. Now, 
with my paintings, I I've also recently had those exhibited at, at an art gallery, a big a big um, event um, where I live in England, and that was another diff- like hugely different experience. Was trying to get the digital paintings that I've created on my screens to print out looking how I wanted them, and it's not a simple process. Either. Not at all. Um, Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. Like this is- yeah. So it's 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 a really it's a massive challenge because it wasn't created for that purpose, but you've got to try and enable it so that people can experience in that same way and the funny thing is uh, we had a, a metaverse event like about two weeks ago where one of my pieces was exhibited there and that tries to give a gallery experience right so you walk up to the piece and you can see it on the wall and what i found weird about that was when you watch it in the um like you see it from the wall from the your view as a as a character in the metaverse it gives a completely different experience to when you click on it and just see it large on screen like it's just you know you're just clicking on it on youtube or something so there's all these different things you've got to consider when you're um when you're creating work and it's all about that end like how do you people how do you want people to receive it how do you want people to experience it arguably in physical where you can control the space is the best and where people are interacting with each other while experiencing that piece this is why i think having physicals is so good uh digital you can't control how they experience it you can't really have a say it's kind of you let it over to the internet or whatever and just say well however they see it whatever their screen settings are whatever device they're using that's just that's the way they're going to see it and that's that so um yep either way i think it's a, a really interesting conversation so thanks for all my pleasure and i just want to echo I, I just think you just hit the ball out of the park with this whole idea of how do you take a digital image that you've made that kind of works on a digital level and how do you make it work physically? And I have gone through this struggle and it's almost like the work itself will give you its own solutions, you know, that are possible, or you're gonna have to come up with your own solutions. We were talking about gifts earlier. You know, maybe one thing you can do is you create 25, if you have 25 frames in the GIF, you create 25 different images, and then you also show the GIF on a screen in the gallery. You put the 25 different, you know, things on paper and there's your kind of solution. You know, I really struggled with this. Like I made an entire show of the screen memory series I do with very kind of sharp edges and kind of pencil tools. So these perfect circles and then the fill tool. And I was trying to emulate these things. So, you know, where, and I'd put those over top of Renaissance painting. So I was like, okay, I'll print out the Renaissance painting on onto canvas and then I'll paint over top this, you know, mask that I do. And what I was doing was first I did it manually. And so I had my little brush and I would take like a week to try and re-emulate this mask. And it didn't really look convincing. And it took me a whole other year to realize, oh, you know, duh, I should be screen printing this, you know? And then I was like, oh, okay, I screen print. And then it creates what's really interesting about that whole journey for me though, is you have a work at the end of the day when it's physical, that wouldn't have been possible without digital interference or you know a digital step shall we say so it kind of actually in a weird way it's kind of this hybrid even though it's all physical solutions um but it's a very fun thing to do it's a very challenging thing to do though because you know if it's a moving work it's very challenging you know again maybe you break it up into frames if it's a still work 
see, like, you know, every genre or type of work will present its own solutions. So, for example, pixel art, you know, it really lends itself well to screen printing. You know, it's back to this. If you want those hard, crisp digital edges, then screen printing, for example, Rezo printing, meh, okay, maybe. So it's just a fascinating, uh, what, what I love about it, it's extremely challenging, but if you start to solve these things, I mean, pixel art that doesn't move, let's say, and then you emulate it with, with screen printing, I mean, it's, it's, there's an alchemy there in that transformation. When Just like Warhol putting that you know, graphite pencil and blowing it up, it's exactly the same, and screen printing the graphite it has that exact same kind of transformative quality and it kind of becomes instant poetry. Like if you see pixel art that is screen printed, it's incredibly seductive, but it's a different experience, you know, completely different. So anyway, do, do you have any final thoughts on that retro mini? Um, well, I think most people know I'm a huge fan of pixel art. Um, I don't do it myself, but um, I, I've never experienced it in uh, in physical so it's it really had me in awe to know what that would look or to love to be able to see what that would look like actually yeah there's um, an there's yeah. a great artist i can't remember his name uh, i'll see if i can dig it up at some point and that's actually where i figured out the solution because he was screen printing uh like this pixel well he was screen printing pixels not so much what we might consider pixel art but you know pixels and you know uh in black and white and i was like oh of course screen printing nicola thank you for joining us on stage manny and stay on stage if you want to uh add comments as well nicola thank you well, thank you Pokemon, for having me it's a pleasure you and you give me a great assist because uh one of the project from digital to physical that uh, i made uh, recently is exactly on this point on uh, bitmap uh, and um, pixel but um, not with screen print screen printing but uh, with uh, etching so in my last project i did, did uh, this thing to print uh, with uh, the etching technique uh, something that is digitally digitally native so because uh, etching and intaglio techniques uh, are something that I used to to practice uh, since uh, 20 years because I came from uh, I'm an architect too so I found a lot of similarities uh, with uh, all the people on stage and I work in uh, the field of the visual art uh, since uh, the beginning of 2000 with uh, especially with painting and printmaking then I, I came to the NFT world uh, in uh, November uh, 1921. And uh, I started with uh, my digitized work, my physical work that were transferred in, uh, in digital with some uh, scanned, basically scanned, uh, and then post-processed with uh, Photoshop or other software. And then uh, with the time, uh, I try to, to, to switch uh, my practice uh, toward the, to make uh, something really digitally native at, uh, and uh, to, to be used on, on a digital media, not on a physical, uh, on a physical media. But then uh, recently, I, I try to, to do these things. I don't know if I, if I can pin. Uh, the, yeah, yeah, feel free to pin up whatever you like. That goes for anybody that actually comes up. 
that is the uh, bonus is feel free to pin up your latest work or any work that you know you feel and in, uh, here basically you can find the um, the idea behind the project that, that is uh, exactly what you were you speaking uh, before so pixel but etched on metal and then printed on uh, on paper with the intaglio technique i am looking let me see i'm dying to see that so yes post it up when it yeah as soon as you can here let me see if i oh here it is nicola villa where are you calling from nicola from from genoa from in italy, italy. oh cool i'm actually yeah. going to uh pisa if, you, if you are in Livorno, you are really near to my... Exactly. Well, you definitely you want... need to, to take a, a stop in Genoa. I was going to say, we can have a... It's cafe. a beautiful city. It's a beautiful city, <laughs> really. Well, that's very good to know. Now, tell me, maybe I'll be able to figure it out from your link here. But as far as etching, I mean, my understanding of etching is, like, help us out here, because maybe not everybody's familiar, but where you're actually like you're carving what are you carving into yes, like it's yes. metal it, isn't it is metal and uh, it's carved uh, by hands or uh, but, but basically by acid so you put right. uh, a, a plate uh, of metal that you can varnish uh, in the in the parts that you don't need to to etch so that you want to take uh, white basically and the other part, the, the, the part that is not protected by that varnish, uh, will be practically eaten by acid. So then when you put uh, ink on it to print, the ink will stay just in the, in the carving and uh, not in the, in, in, the other, in the other part of the, the plate. Right, you almost, you carve out the inverse, right? Yeah, 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 you work with the negative, basically. Exactly. You, so what we're looking at here, and I encourage everybody to look at Nicola's link, did you manually, you know, no. carve out uh, basically every um, pixel? And then... Uh, basically, I used to do like this, or maybe painting with varnish with uh, my historically works. But with this project, since I need to to have the exactly the exact shape of the pixel on the plate, I used a photographic transfer, like ah. the one that you can do with the, the screen, the, the the screen for the screen print, you know. Right. So you can do transfer on etching. Yeah. 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 Also from from screen printing, you can transfer. But there is a lot of technique around around these but it's as you can, can uh, where we're speaking before it is a big luxury to, to make intaglio prints right now well absolutely and yeah like i've done lithography i assume you've usually people mm. who've done etching have done lithography they're usually kind of in the same studio aren't they and yeah lithography i i'm i still haven't wrapped my head around if you can do photo transfer i was sort of told yeah but not really and this sort of thing so that is super interesting and in that process because it's not going to come out perfect right uh, uh, so it's because not every pixel i saw there was square yeah yeah the the not in the other because uh, one the first uh, image are uh, practically square but you have right. to, to, to make the one process because uh, if you engrave just a line and you put in the acid, 
the line comes up uh, really clear, um, etc. But you, if you have a surface to, to engrave, you have to put some texture inside the, the surface to make the ink stay and print out. If you look at the little square, they have a, a kind of texture of white and black that is the texture that detain yep. the ink to, to print. Exactly, like it's not perfect and maybe that's what gives it charm. Because yeah, if, it was, yeah, yeah, if it was perfect. And, and also, when you print the etching, you have to print one by one by, yeah. by inking every, every time the, the plate. So you, you will never have the same, uh, the same output. There is something about manual part of the prints that makes uh, the print unique in a kind of way. Well, totally. I mean, and which also makes it very undigital. And tell me, like, I would find that very exciting as, as an artist, because you, again, like, I think you've come up with a pretty cool solution uh, for, okay, how am I going to make this physical? Are, are you excited about it? Yeah, yeah, I'm really, really happy. And uh, I, I love to, to, to mix media, as you were speaking before. So I Every time I try to, to mix up uh, printmaking, uh, painting, uh, and now I'm a little bit more focused on uh, on digital, but, uh, and I try also to print digitally a lot of stuff, but uh, I found that uh, the best way to display them are in, in our screens and, um, or in big projection. Also, if you have a uh, top quality prints, but uh, for me, uh, it's my, my, a, question, <laughs> a personal question, but I prefer the, 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 the flavor of digital works in, uh, in digital screen or projection, not so much in digitally printed images. <laughs> yeah, inkjet, I, I think I'm in agreement with you there, if I understand what you're saying, and it's that inkjet kind of sucks. Right. You can have a, really a, a top quality, in my in my opinion, but you don't have the the light, the light. The, yeah, there's the, there's something the missing. Yeah, yeah like you can. It's the, basically, is the light of the screen, the, the real lighting. Right. right. I mean, you can combine it. I find, and just inkjet in general, it's a tough sell. Like I think for photography, it works. Um, but it, it, yeah, and to your point, it, it lacks that kind of saturation, that light that shines mm. through a screen, right? And so you're stuck with it. It's almost like instead of white, it's like black if when everything's mixed together. And you yeah, you you have to, to kind of re rebalance the the images when you have to print them with respect to the digital view. Um, you you will never have the the same effect on, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And also, just... also embroidery is another good thing to 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 think at. Well, that's a very interesting question. Let's get to embroidery in a second here. But I was just going to say on, you know, they say how painting is dead, you know, every 20 years or whatever. But I find when you're doing things like you're doing, let's say maybe some people would say, oh, etching, you know, maybe etching is dead. It's all been done. But when you incorporate like digital into etching, you know, I say, well, actually there's new things being done because this wasn't even possible 50 years ago. And I think the same goes for painting, you know, in yeah. a sense, 
it's a way of making quote unquote painting in the general sense relevant still. Because if you're incorporating digital ideas and forms and whatever the case may be into your work, that wasn't really happening 50 years ago. So it's keeping it new. It's keeping it alive. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I love to do experiment uh, things and uh, I love that the people also try the, the different uh, ways and things. Surely the, the, the technology gives uh, us different stuff. For ex another example, the, the images that they put in the etchings are made with uh, AE just because I wanted to make something coming from AE it, that it was 100% digitally native. And I don't think that also that my paintings on Procreate are totally digitally native because uh, that there's uh, your hands that paints uh, on a digital surface. In my mind, the, the material, the digital is made by pixel, by numbers. That I... is not a surface when you made uh, a brush with uh, with a color in some kind of way. There's every time there's a software that convert your movement into this kind of uh, data in a kind of way. I totally agree. There's a natural contrast there between the organic movement of an individual, you know, making their work and, you know, scraping and then like a digital form that let's say, you know, this hard edge digital form, whether it's a pixel or a circle, there's a natural contrast there. Uh, just before we finish up, uh, what were you saying? You, you didn't say tapestries. What was what was the thing you were talking about? Embroidery. Yeah, yeah digital, uh, digital embroidery from pixels and try uh, a good way to to make the tapestry in a kind of way. Yes. And and so can you? I've I've sort of thought about this. Like I see you see those wonderful you know tapestries by Raphael. I think in London at the Design Museum there, and I think they're spread out a few places. There aren't many, but you see that and you go, oh. I'd love to do tapestry, let's say, or embroidery, as you say. Have you found any, you know, solutions where you can just kind of go to a website and order this thing? Uh, I I saw something here in uh, there's a guy called uh, Niwin, and uh, I saw something made in with digital embroidery, mm -hmm. and then I asked to to my sister that uh, have a a little machine to to make some experiment for me, but. They are still brewing. <laughs> I, right. I, I wait like, to, to foresee the, the, some output. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be incredibly interesting. Runtun, uh, do you have any thoughts or any questions for any of our guests here? Uh, I like what you said about these new possibilities that form when you, you know, kind of take digital to physical and vice versa. I think that's very true. Like that whole painting is dead comment and well, not really, because look at these new possibilities. I was thinking about that uh, show that I saw by Matthew Stone uh, in person the other week that I talked about on our last spaces. And he actually is using, uh, there's this company in Red Hook in Brooklyn, uh, not far from me, called Art Matter. I think it's M-T-R, A-R-T, M-T-R, something like that. But they have a, a machine that does like 3D printing, but you can do it with oil paint. And they've done a lot of projects. They've worked with Zancan before. They've prepared works for digital artists who are getting their work prepared for Sotheby's. 
they're a serious company. And after seeing this Matthew Stone painting uh, that he he did using their equipment, it is a convincing thing. And what's funny about it is it's just like you said, like there's this new possibility that happens when you take this digital work and you have to apply it in a physical way. It wasn't, you know, looking at it, it was before I knew what it was and before I knew how the work was made, I was kind of having issues trying to like conceive in my mind how it was created because unlike the, you know, prints on linen that were very flat and clearly printed to linen and made to look like oil paint, the texture was not there. But with this 3D printed uh, version, there was texture, but there was something kind of happening where it almost looked like it was oil paint that had been airbrushed onto. And it was this new outcome that I'd never seen before. Here, I'll, I'll, share, I'll share it in the uh, spaces for us. I was going to say, that sounds, I don't think I've ever seen uh, anything like that before. Here's the Matthew Stone. And Matthew, Matthew um, Stone was the person from last week where you, that you saw at the hole in New York City. Is that right? Correct. So he's the artist who fed Stable Diffusion a bunch of paintings and, and works of art that he had done and used the AI to kind of create these new possibilities and then took some of those possibilities and printed them to linen. And then there was one, just a singular one, where he used this 3D printer to then also implement texture into the work. So you can see like a short video here, the Art Matter company is there. They've also done other stuff like, I forget what it's called, but where they have the, you know, like a pen or a brush that is then the computer like tells it the movements to make. What's cool is they've actually, they've done nouns. So look at this, um, I'll show this one. The noun that they did, which you'd think, you know, pixel art, screen printing makes sense. But when you bring in this new possibility of like oil paint texture, it's cool what it does to a pixel work like a noun. So I thought that was cool as well. Totally. And it's worthwhile clicking on those, those uh, close-up photos to really see what's going on with that noun because it's really cool, the possibilities that exist. That is so cool. It's almost, and we haven't even discussed, and I'd, I'm just dying to use a pen plotter, right? Like we haven't even discussed that because that's a whole other solution for doing pixel art. That's the word I was looking for, pen plotter. And here you yeah. have like a paintbrush plotter, basically. I mean, that is incredible. It's. I wonder how they figure out how to, maybe they put the paint down first and then I guess I'll have to watch the video and then brush it because uh, how do you get the paint on the brush? But I mean, this is, it's all happening so fast, Rune 2. It's all happening so fast. <laughs> yeah. um, well, does anybody have any other comments here? As we wrap up here, there is no rush. Anybody on stage, Retro Manny, hop in and share your thoughts i just wanted to say uh, i guess echo what you were just saying that paintbrush plotter is insane <laughs> the thing is right is when you do digital i think i mentioned in the last show the uh, software called rebel which is like a painting I app remember. um that tries to, yeah it tries to mimic real real paint and it's it's really beautiful because it gets rid of the the repetition that you can sometimes get with digital like if you're using photoshop brushes or something there's a lot of repetition that you've kind of either got to work against or just go with and not fight it but this the idea of this almost you know you can have a digital piece of work and i'll just looking at each individual bit on the nouns on the nouns post that you put at the top and each different place that the paintbrush is plotted is different there's no rep there's some repetition but it doesn't really feel it feels very organic at the same time 
so there's a lot of possibilities there it's just a way of getting that texture in that feels yeah organic i think a lot of possibilities yeah that noun is breaking my brain actually because it's going how it's uh, yeah like i mean this is this is interesting to echo what you're saying here manny this is like wow thanks for sharing this rune tune this is uh of course this is super interesting does anybody else have any final comments before we wrap up here or does anybody else want to join us on stage i let these go a little longer if we like feel free to jump in make a request dr version this is blowing my mind this um art <laughs> uh you know because i've thought about like painting what i've done digitally because i've tried to replicate some of what i do with my paintings with gifts but i you know retro manny was talking about doing you know deliveries of media to instagram to theater uh, my other my day job is doing audio post-production so i'm very familiar with that and also i've done music and mixed records I think some of the distribution you could think of with art and you want it to look the best wherever it is so you can keep in mind the screen because when you work on music and you mix it and master it, you want to be, how's it sound in the car? How's it sound on headphones? How's it sound on different, like in my studio, I have a bunch of different speakers. So this kind of distribution of, of art could, there's a parallel to be like, hey, you want it. You don't have that control, but you should think about it and you want it to look the best wherever it is. Um, you, that's just you know, an idea you know, I was thinking of. Speaking uh, you, in terms of distribution, like, I mean, imagine if you had one of these machines in every major city and you wanted to do an in-person art show, you no longer have to ship that work of art. You just have them printed there. I mean, it'd be it, it's a it's a problem solver for sure. Well, and then you throw Mid Journey Five on top of this thing, and then it's like, okay, we solved the issue of, you know, like it, then you have these beautiful textures. It's like the chaos, the randomness in in the brush in a nice brush is part of the beauty, right? And you know, and that's that makes say a brushwork beautiful and an inkjet kind of boring. If we had the nouns inkjet. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to put that on my wall, but what we see over there, sure. What the heck? That looks like gorgeous. 100%. Right? Plus, I mean, I think this is kind of that proof that a lot of us uh, believe in with these digital tools and AI art where, you know, there's so many skeptics out there. They just can't see the the practicality of this or they I feel like with a lot of people who are kind of against digital art and AI art, it's this whole idea of like, oh, it's just more of the same. But when you see the the noun printed like that, or when you see any of this stuff, it really, you know, it's it's proof that there are so many possibilities on the horizon with this stuff. And the thing is so new. So I think it kind of gives credence to what we're doing over here. A wonderful place maybe to end this on. I mean, that, ex exactly. You have to keep an open mind, right? Like, I mean, because if you're like against AI or like, and then now you're, I mean, the, the world is gonna run away on you, you know, and you're just gonna be left there like, no, I'm gonna keep painting with my brush, you know, and I'm gonna show the world and I'm gonna give rebirth. Anyways, I could go on and on. Uh, Nicola, do you have any final thoughts before we go? No, no, I uh, wanted to, to say thank you. And I think uh, the same things, uh, it looks uh, at a, a lot of things that, are great that is great also that someone uh, is uh, capable to 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 use uh, all the instrument to make uh, things like pen plotters for example that, that is another funny things that, that they use uh, 
pretty old uh, printers because uh, uh, the, the inkjet uh, have uh, I've changed also the the the, the, the printers uh, word and uh, I found a, a lot of great stuff with 3D and uh, and also with uh, C CNC not the, the constructive uh, process but the, the sculpture process of the pieces with 3D files and right. I think right. it, I mean, that's a whole everything other... is great and I love yeah. to, to experiment to look at the great things around so I find this is the, the good part of, of this world uh, compared to, to traditional art world. So I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're Let's happy see. to have you, Nicola, and thank you for thank joining you. us on stage. Thank you very much to, to you to, for having me. Thank you. Thanks for sharing those digital etchings and etched digitals. Those were really cool. I'm going to have to bookmark that and kind of explore that later. Thank yeah, you very much. Thank you. Amazing links were shared here today. I recommend everybody check out these links. Thank you, Dr. Version. Thank you, Retro Manny. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you, everybody, for showing up here today. Once again, come on stage and share your links next time. We're here next week. And thank you, most of all, to Runtune, the wonderful co-host out of New York City. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.